I should talk about energy this morning. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I, I'm uh, Nayaswami Gyandev, and uh, joining me here today, Nayaswami Anandi, with whom I serve at the Expanding Light on the teaching staff here, and Nayaswami Hriman, who co-directs the Ananda Seattle Center along with his wife, Nayaswami Padma. And we're going to be talking about using energy for health, that's me, <laughs> happiness, that's Anandi, and success, that's Riman. You know, yesterday I was uh, struck by something Jyotish was saying about Dwapara Yuga and some of the developments we can expect to see. One of the things he mentioned was that as the yuga proceeds, the earth will have more and more of a, a unified language. And already we see that happening with uh, English being very, very uh, prevalent throughout the world. Uh, whether that's going to continue that way, who knows, but that's you know, the way it looks now. And that reminded me, speaking of health, of... Uh, some interesting statistics I saw recently on the web, particularly this was about heart attacks and the prevalence of heart attacks in various cultures. Um, and it was comparing heart attacks in the US especially with other cultures and noticing the connection with heart attacks and diet. And it mentioned that, that uh, the people in Japan, of course, eat much less fat than Americans do, and Americans, not too surprisingly, have more heart attacks than Japanese do. But the uh, Mexicans perhaps eat more fat than the Americans, and the Americans still have more heart attacks than the Mexicans. And the Chinese drink less red wine than Americans, and the Americans have more heart attacks. But the Italians drink more red wine than Americans, and Americans have more heart attacks. <laughs> and the Germans drink all that beer and eat all those sausages, and still the Americans have more heart attacks. And so we can draw from this the conclusion that it really doesn't matter much what you eat or drink. The problem with heart attacks is speaking English. You know, when we get on to the topic of health and energy, you know, the natural association comes to mind that, well, when I'm healthy, I have more energy. And we all tend to feel that way. And when I'm healthier, I have even more energy and vitality. And we do all our little health practices, our, the, the good things to do, you know, eating right, exercising, and thinking that those are going to bring us health. In fact, what they really do is they simply prevent us from erecting barriers to our health. They don't really bring health. And as we come into this age of energy, a Dwapara Yuga, we can start to have a more refined understanding of what brings about health. That we see energy as the causative factor in this world, and we start to see that it isn't that health brings us energy, it's that energy brings us health. And particularly when that energy is abundant and is flowing freely and harmoniously through the body. That's the real 
litmus test. That's how health comes about. I want to share with you an interesting quotation that uh, used to be posted in the Ananda Fitness Room. Unfortunately, it has no longer graces the walls of the fitness room, but I lodged it deep in my brain because I enjoyed it so much from Paramahansa Yogananda. It goes like this. Health does not mean mere existence or clinging to the body. Keeping out of the hospital for a number of years is not health. To be able to resist disease, to bear strain and stimulate mental vitality, to feel the body as a luxury, as a bird feels when shooting through the air, and as a child does always, is health. And I was thinking about this topic, and I thought it would be interesting to explore a few parts of that quotation as it, as it connects to using energy for better health, because it's very illuminating. The first thing that comes to mind, that's important to say when we're talking about health, is that health doesn't really mean the absence of disease. Not from a Dwapara Yuga standpoint. Which is a good thing, because if we depended on the absence of disease to have lasting health, well, sooner or later that lasting health is going to go away, right? Because sooner or later the body's going to fall by the wayside. But that's not really what health is about. It's, it's really, if you think of the, quote, the couple of lines from that quotation, it doesn't say to never have illness. It says to be able to resist disease doesn't say to never have strain in your life. It says to bear strain. That is, what it's talking about is an inner sense of vitality, an inner sense of, of enthusiasm for life that not only is health in the moment, but brings about a greater, li greater health in the longer run. Because we can't expect to have perfect physical health or, frankly, even perfect mental health all the time. Karma rules this world. And there are things we can do about karma, but sooner or later it's natural that for all of us something's going to come and knock us off the horse, if, even if it's only death at the end of the incarnation. Still, that karma rules this world, and it's simply not possible to insist on being healthy in that particular way all the time. There has to be another criterion for health. I remember some time ago, I saw a friend who was having what would any normal person would consider considerably, considerable health difficulties. Could barely walk, even with crutches, was in a lot of pain, hardly any energy at all, and yet, when I looked in her eyes, the only way I could describe it is they were blazing with joy. And I thought to myself, this woman is health. The rest of it, just karma. You know, it's not who she is at all. That's a real important thing to keep in mind, that health doesn't mean this perfect outward model that you see in all the advertisements in the magazines. It's much, much more profound than that. So what I'd like to talk about are just briefly four 
points that can lead us more in that direction of health. The first one, of course, we're talking about energy, a lot of energy. Having good health really requires that we have a high level of energy, perhaps not outwardly, though, perhaps just inwardly. And as Davy was talking about yesterday, there are many, many ways in our particular tradition for cultivating a greater and greater supply of energy. It's not mysterious, the energization exercises. She didn't mention yoga postures, but I'll allow me to mention yoga <laughs> postures while I'm up here. You know, for Kriyabans, Mahamudra is so key to having an abundant supply of energy. But the interesting thing about these techniques is it's easy to put them in a little compartment of your mind and say, okay, I'll be thinking about that the next time I do energization or the next time I do Mahamudra. But there's really no time when we can't be practicing some technique that is going to give us more energy. For example, close your eyes for a moment and just kind of look at your inner energy level and give it a number, one to 10, or zero to 10 if it's that bad. <laughs> but just give it a number. Now, over the course of the next three breaths, I'd like to invite you to consciously distill life force from the air that comes in through your nose. Just take them slow, take them smooth, consciously draw it in. And now what number are you on that scale? How many of you raised it one point? How many of you raised it two points? How many more than two? I think we cornered just about everybody here. This is not difficult. Of course, you're out here in the beautiful nature and fresh air, and some of you watching this may be in the middle of a city inside of a room, but there's, I guarantee you there is still prana in the air. And then we can draw this anytime. It takes one breath. That's not a very complicated technique. And that doesn't take very long. Conscious eating also. You know, when you sit at your meal, rather than just enjoying the taste, which is perfectly fine to do, consciously draw energy from the food, especially when you're, you're eating so much fr fresh food here consciously draw that life force from the food, and you'll be building your supply of energy. And there's another, I hesitate to call it a technique, more of an attitude that is so key for having an abundant supply of energy. And we all know it, the attitude of willingness. Practicing conscious willingness to do even the mundane things of our life with conscious attention, with enthusiasm, that's not just sort of a good attitude to have. It literally draws energy. I'm going to talk about this a little more uh, after a while, but just remember that, that a key element in this whole process, this first step, is building an abundant supply of energy, drawing more in. 
But the flip side of that is not wasting the energy that you already have. And this is something that many of us do a lot. We tend to scatter our energies in a lot of different directions, trying to do too many things at once. Or we talk too much. It's this outward expenditure of energy. You want to see how much energy you have? Stop talking for a week. Stop talking for a day and just watch your energy level rise. One of the ways in which we, we waste energy the most is through overindulgence of the senses. And I doubt that it's that much of a difficulty for most of the people who are here or watching this, but for our culture at large, it is a difficulty because there's a tendency to think that, that because we can experience some sensory enjoyment, that more is better. And we have people trying to literally pack it in uh, to, to enjoy more and more, not realizing what they're really doing is wasting energy, thinking that they're even taking in energy, they're wasting energy because that kind of overindulgence of the senses and eating is just one example. What it does is it tends to put our attention out on the periphery of the being, of our being, out to the senses. And wherever our attention goes, that's where our energy goes. That very same energy that could be fueling our inner vitality is parked out at the periphery of where we are, just waiting for the next bit of stimulation. How much better we can do than that? How much the culture that we live in tries to draw us out into that mindset. Just look at the advertisements. Everything trying to draw us out to the periphery of who we are. And what it's doing is it's locking up our energy. We see this all the time, really. But unfortunately, we see it also in the yoga world in particular. Which brings us to the <laughs> Maya Awards. For 2010. <laughs> Maya, for those of you who don't know, is a Sanskrit word which means cosmic illusion or personal delusion, not seeing life as it is. But it's also an acronym, which I decided stands for Misunderstanding and Abuse of Yoga in America. been given these awards annually for a while, sort of created a monster, but <laughs> God is the doer. <laughs> and this year, God has created some real uh, monsters. So you've all heard of the uh, Emmys and the Grammys and the Tonys. Well, these are the Vrittis <laughs> and the this year's, I'm fun, unfortunately, I couldn't really decide on a winner for the, the Vrittis this year. So three different workshops are uh, sharing the honors of the head Vritti. So the first one is a workshop called Yoga and Food. The idea being that you do the yoga practice to get in a very calm state of mind. And oh, man, then you can really enjoy food. <laughs> You can enjoy gourmet food. You can enjoy, oh, this is great, this line from the copy 
I've never heard of this brand, but apparently it's something special. Vosges Haute Chocolat Exotic Truffles. <laughs> Fine wine. Oh, and this was a good one. An In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> and here's, the, here's the, prem the premise from the leader of the workshop that any profound pleasure of the senses can bring on the yoga high <laughs> that is the gateway to divine bliss. And here you thought in and out was just a drive-through. <laughs> ah. The gateway to divine bliss. Oh, but it doesn't stop there. The next one, very interesting. Not only, it's, it's a very Dwapar thing, not only because it's, it stimulates, it's about stimulating the senses, because it stimulates something even more important than the senses, which is the, the internet search engines. <laughs> Because the name of this workshop incorporates just about every keyword you could think of. So I'll have to take a deep breath before I say it, in order to have enough breath to say it. Here it goes. Advanced sacral sex chakra yoga asana for reproduction meditation. <laughs> I'm not making this up. <laughs> and the final co-winner of this year's award is a workshop, fabulous, very enticing title, Yoga and Eternal Youth. Very appealing to Americans. And it incorporates asanas, chocolate, of course, <laughs> rock music, all to enhance vitality and virility forever. <laughs> what are you missing by being in this amphitheater today? <laughs> so to recapitulate, don't waste your energy. The third point is don't tie up the flow of energy. Yogananda made a very, a very intriguing statement. He said, the root cause of all illness is a conflict between the ascending and descending currents of energy in the spine. Very interesting. The root cause of all illness is that conflict between the energy that rises in the spine, that takes us toward expansion of consciousness and the energy that descends in the spine, which takes us toward contraction, contraction around the ego, the root cause of all illness. And you think, well, gosh, I'm, energy goes up when I inhale, energy goes down when I exhale, where's the conflict? Well, there's a lot of energy happening in your body that really doesn't have all that much to do with the breath. We think about the breath, we talk about the breath, and it certainly is a good vehicle for working with the energy in the body, but there's a lot more energy going around. And a large portion of that is often tied up in inner conflict, that we are not one-pointed in the direction, in our inner direction, in what we're doing. For example, 
You know what you should do, but you don't do it because it's too much trouble okay? or it's not enough fun. Or even you're doing the right thing. You know it's the right thing, but part of you isn't on board, okay? doesn't want to do it. You want to meditate. You do meditate. But for how much of the meditation are you sitting there thinking, how long do I have to go because I've got things to do? All, right. All these little ways in, in which we're not fully in one direction. And that just saps our energy. It's like energy canceling itself out. So I'd like to propose a, a little exercise for you. Just as you go through your day-to-day -day life, I'm not talking about extended periods of practice of some technique here. Just check in in your life every hour, every half an hour, however often it is, and just see, am I fully one-pointed in what I'm doing? Am I 100% behind this, or is part of me thinking, this is boring, this is too much work, this is not as much fun as I'm going to have after I'm done. <laughs> yeah. All of that is just sucking up our energy, pre preventing us from having that vibrancy, that vitality that is going to take us to ever greater health. It's basically, yes, but. Yes, but. Watch for the yes, buts. Okay? And just try to change them into simple yes, with 100% of your being. I remember a friend of mine many years, wise sage by the name of Haridas. So I was talking about a, a, a task that he had, that I was, talking with, I was talking with him about a task that he had done, and I was remarking on how, boy, that wasn't much fun, was it? And uh, he said, yeah, I, th I knew it wasn't going to be much fun beforehand, but I thought about it, and I realized that I had the option either to enjoy it or not enjoy it, and that it would be a lot more fun to enjoy it. Simple philosophy, but watch for it in your life. It's so useful. It's so useful. So abundant energy not wasting energy, not tying up energy with the yes buts. And finally, one more thing, that we're not in a high age yet. We're only in Dwapara Yuga. We're only in the age of energy. We're not in the age of thought. We're not in the age of consciousness. And Health ultimately doesn't come through energy, or at least not directly. It comes through thought, and even more fundamentally, it comes through consciousness. And we don't have to wait, thank goodness, for Satya Yuga to develop a connection with consciousness, because that is just God. And God is not in Satya Yuga any more than God is in Dwapara Yuga. And God is the source of that energy that we're looking for to build our health. So instead of just thinking about good health practices, diet, exercise, and so on, all of which are good, 
instead of just thinking about energy as if it were you know, gasoline, like you're filling up your car at the pump, think of making an ever greater connection with the source of that energy as the source of health, as the source of all well-being. We all do that every day in our meditations. But when you think about health, do you think about God in any other fashion than please give me health, God? As opposed to just trying to draw more and more of that consciousness, trying to make more and more of a connection with the divine in your life. Because the more, our, the more we have a direct connection, the more there will be a flow of energy in our life the more there will be that experience of inward health and, when the karma is not too great, outward health as well. But the more it won't matter to us because we'll feel the body as a luxury. It's like that quotation from Yogananda, feel the body as a luxury. What does that mean? Does that mean it's, it's uh, indulging ourselves? Somehow luxury sounds that way, doesn't it? But what is a luxury? Something you don't need, right? It's unnecessary. And that's what he's getting at in that, in that quotation. To feed, when you're, if you imagine yourself as that bird shooting through the air, are you thinking of, wow, my body is my reality? No. You're thinking, I am free. Freedom. That's feeling the body as a luxury. I don't need it. It's not who I am. I'll take good care of it. I've been given stewardship of this body. I'll do what I can, but it's not who I am. That God is who I am. And that by developing that relationship, I'm not only going to have more energy and more joy, but I'm going to be doing the most important thing of all, which is opening the gateway, the real gateway, the one and only gateway to divine bliss. Bless you. Go, soar high on the air, be strong.
in your courage when all 